I don't want to scare anyone, but I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. He's got a death curse. Some folks claim they've even seen him right in this area. Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? The girl who survived that night at Camp Blood, that Friday the 13th, she claimed she saw him. Boy, is he dead too? We didn't find any boy. Then he's still there. Legend has it that Jason saw his mother beheaded that night. And he took his revenge. A revenge that he'll continue to seek if anyone ever enters his wilderness again. Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. That's a good boy. Good Jason. Jason's out there. Some of our regular listeners will probably like have a little deja vu here. Probably most likely because you do realize that we have talked Friday the 13th, the original, almost two years ago on this podcast. Um, But for continuity's sake, we're going to talk about it again today. Just because we're talking, this is day one of our Friday the 13th retrospective. It's going to be a long one. We might take a break and pepper in a movie there. I think we got Prey coming up just to keep us sane <laughs> and, not, and not morbid. Yep. I'm watching all these horror films. And the great thing about Friday 13th, it's a good time to do it because he just kind of hinted and announced that with the lawsuit going on with Victor Miller, the original screenwriter, things are coming to be settled. Yeah, he's suing the studio, wasn't he? Yeah, but it's kind of done now. He won. Right. But there's a lot of gray areas of what he's won. So what's happening now is the producer of It has come out and says, we're finalizing things, and it looks like Friday 13th might be reborn. Okay. Again? Um, Well, I'm hoping at this point they do what they did with Halloween. They do a requel. I make it more gritty. Make it more gritty. And start with the initial one, and then go from there. Um, you can't jump back into what we're about to talk about in episode eight. <laughs> yeah, uh, stuff like that. So we'll see what happens, but uh, hopefully that works out. Much good, funny time to do this. The, the, do this one, and I think the Friday Thirteenth will be fun. I know I'm like the back of my hand, so it's an easier podcast, which is nice, <laughs> <laughs> and it's nice to talk about. And uh, thanks to a little documentary called uh, Crystal Lake Memories. It's an eight-hour documentary or something like that of all the Friday 13s. And they interview everybody, the directors, the producers, the writers, the stars of every single one. 
and they go through every all the the movies and the interview them and they talk about the man, the number one thing that Friday Thirteenth always got fucked over by was the MPAA, mm-hmm. and we will certainly get into that one. Our last when we did Friday Thirteenth, uh, the two podcasters I did it with hated it, did not like it, weren't fans of it, couldn't believe it. I was shocked, but what are you going to do? Who was that? Uh, Nula and Colin. No, it was Newland Graham, I believe. Right, yeah. Um, I was shocked Newland didn't like it because she likes Slumber Party Massacre in her own right. <laughs> oh, but uh, to each throw. But let's start off with Friday 13th, uh, part one. Now, well, actually, let's start off with the series in general. I have seen every single one of these in the theater, besides. Sure. No, I didn't. I was wrong. I lied. Besides one, two, and three. I wouldn't have seen any of them in the theatre, and I'll tell you why, because uh, I've discussed this on the podcast before. Um, these were, you know, back, back in those video nasty days of the 1980s, now the Friday the 13th series, um, they weren't, you know, video nasties. However, um, you know, it, it, it was very tough for, you know, kids of my age to get into the cinema to see a horror film. Basically, 18 certificates were slapped on all of these almost straight away. And there was a lot of prudishness about, um, you know, films such as the Friday the 13th series, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser and stuff back in the 80s growing up in the UK. Um, so there was not a chance they would have let me in to see them in the cinema and trust me my mate and i did try to get into many 18 certificate horror films so we had to um, unfortunately have the long arduous wait for them to be released on video and so i was basically raised by videos you know (laughs) Uh, my local video libraries and that's where i would have seen the friday the 13th films well i was introduced one two and three on the video myself Mm -hmm. um probably for the same reason Mm -hmm. so um yeah, it became more available. I got more into it. Unfortunately, when they when I started seeing them in theater, that's where they kind of lost their way. <laughs> yes, yeah, they got a bit got, ridiculous. Got know. stupid and comic booky, and like they did, like well, same thing happened with Nightmare on Elm Street, really. Yes. Uh, so let's just start off real quickly about the the the, uh, the original Friday Thirteenth. What we're gonna do here is that we're gonna talk one and two in this podcast, and the next podcast we'll talk three and four. Um. And just a, uh, you know, quick, what do you call it? Not a meet and greet. It would be a meet and greet. It'd be like a quick. Retrospective. Well, yeah, maybe that's the word. I don't know. I overthink things a lot. <laughs> All right, but we're starting off with Sean S. Cunningham. Um, he was known early 70s for doing softcore porn. And guys, when I say softcore porn, it's m- very minimal. It's not. It'd be like watching a daytime soap proper these days yeah so don't take that you hear the word porn that it's gratuitous anyway by today's standards it's mild um yeah uh but he did a little film with his buddy that at the time Wes craven called the last house on the left yep uh very grindhouse and Wes went on to do his own thing obviously he'd go on to do nightmare on elm street and then uh sean s cunningham tried to do kids movies this really didn't pan out for him and then a little film came out. Yes, the greatest horror film ever produced. Halloween. Uh, Halloween was coined the first slasher film. I disagree. I don't think Halloween no. is a slasher film. Well, there was many um, slasher films before it as well. Well, yeah, but 
we got when it was coined the term the, the subgenre was coined back in 1978 mm-hmm. um, with the release of Halloween. So we'll start there. But to me, Halloween is still a thriller. Um, yes, the sequels they'd be considered slasher or sellout. You pick. Uh, <laughs> um, but so Sean S. Cunningham, smart man. Always like the, the the Friday Thirteenth, the day. It's an unlucky day, you know what I mean? As the is is uh, was it suspicions? Not suspicions. Why why am I not finding the right words? Yeah, it's basically like so, sort it's of kind of like uh, you know the black cat. Yeah, superstitions. Uh, superstitions. How the yes. fuck can I not figure these? You know why? Because it's early. <laughs> it's like ninety degrees in Northern Ireland. People, it is rare. It's over yeah, we're, 60. We're boiling here, basically. Yeah, it's hot. And over here, they don't really use air conditioning. No, we don't. So, unless you go out to like a restaurant or something, there's air conditioning. So, in, in, pretty much in Europe, there's really you don't get your air conditioning. We're basically right. living in that episode of the Twilight Zone where for some reason, the sun decides to move closer to the earth and everyone's boiling up. Yeah, that's pretty much what's happening. So, I'm sitting here at my desk and and then I got I got fucking sound effects going on. All, all, you know, the, it's garbage day. <laughs> so we got the bin men. Garbage got the day. <laughs> doing the bandsaw thing. So I got to close all the windows so I can do this podcast. And it's like, fuck. Now it's even hotter. <laughs> Dying. All right. But, yeah, so he wanted to take, you know, Friday 13th. So what he did was he took a one-page ad out in Variety. In the, in the in the late seventies, and all it says was Friday Thirteenth from the makers of Last House on the Left, uh, coming soon, and it it ended up getting some attention. Smart move, actually. Yeah, he was basically looking funders and producers. Yep, and actually his buddies who funded Last House on the Left <laughs> came down and uh, and said, "Okay, we'll do it." So for five hundred and fifty thousand, which is about two hundred thousand more than Halloween, so by today's standards, that's unbelievable, and uh, it's kind of nice though, and uh, it does show some of the stuff they have to they have to cut back on, but we'll dig into it. So he gets into Friday Thirteenth. He hires Victor Miller. Yes, he's the man who's suing them right now, and he was pretty much told copy Halloween. Mm-hmm. That's what he was pretty much told. Just go ahead and copy it. Uh, obviously, make it your own and tweak it. Now. The um, the original title was going to be it was Friday Thirteenth, but the script or the shooting was Long Night at Camp Blood, mm-hmm. which I kind of like. Yeah, I think it's a better title. I think it's a better title. Yeah, or they could have said Friday Thirteenth, Long Night at Camp Blood. Well, I think they were again. It goes back to the Halloween sort of ripping off where they were looking at sort of iconic spooky date. So Halloween was already obviously taken and it had been sued big time. So the only the only other one really is Friday the 13th. So I can see why they did it for marketing reasons. Yeah, it's simpler. But Long Night at Camp Blood is a better title. Yes, agreed. So we've got in this one, we've got Adrian King who plays Alice. Yes. Um, we got Betsy Palmer who plays Mrs. Voorhees. You got Marcy, Annie, Jack, Bill, Brenda, Steve, uh, Ned, Steve, and Crazy Ralph, the Your Doom guy, <laughs> who's been pretty much ripped off in every film ever made after this. Mm-hmm. There's always a Crazy Ralph 
but it's a bit of a trope anyway i think even before that you know like they sort of go to the small town and there's like this sort of you know this sort of local sort of village idiot crazy guy character so it's, yeah it's not a completely new trope but yeah yeah so we opened up in 1958 now the one thing the friday 13th never got right is continuity and what i mean by that is timelines <laughs> Nobody to this day knows how old Jason is. Um, now, the kid she killed in the beginning. She Well, she killed in the beginning. Yes. Was that the night the kid drowned? Jason drowned in 58? I or was it, uh, no, was it the year before? I think it was shortly after. Um, the no, no, he would, no, 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 no. A she year. Wouldn't, she wouldn't kill these kids if the kid was still alive. Exactly. So, yes. So, Jason drowned previously. Yeah, okay. So, 57. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that was my take on it anyway. And then, um, yes, so she is basically killing them because she's um, pissed off that because the previous, you know, sort of kids on the camp weren't, um, they were more interested in having sex and stuff yes, instead of doing yeah. their job. Which is another slasher cliche. The virgin doesn't die. But but, but hold on a minute. Yeah, the, the sort of play around with that as well because Alice is no sort of good girl either. But we'll get to that. Well, she doesn't sleep around, but no, we'll talk about that. about the stuff. Oh, God, what did he do? So did, so did uh, Jamie Lee. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Haha, uh, gotcha, that one. No, no, yeah, well, I mean. Now, the cool thing is, um, the original idea was that in this scene, where he, where she kills the kid, the two counselors, oh, yes. by spoiler alert, right, if you're a fucking listener to this, you're an idiot, if you're, you know. If you don't know the answer, Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. Everyone thinks it's Jason, but it's it's actually yes. Mrs. Voorhees. Reference to Scream, of course. Um, so, in this death scene, she was originally supposed to get her lose her finger. Mm-hmm. So, through the duration of the rest of the film, when you jump back to seventy nine, you know, a handful of years later, the killer scenes with the hand with the missing finger. Yeah, they were going to do that originally. To give you a hint to who it could be, mm-hmm. um, but they decided to get rid of that because of uh, time time constraints. They didn't have time I think to as do well, it. you would have known um, um, the killer is played by a man right up until the reveal of who it is. So it would have been pretty obvious, you know, the difference between a man and a woman's finger. Not necessarily. Well, you know, maybe. I uh, mean, they, maybe yeah. I mean. But I mean, I a don't close up or something. Or, yeah, I don't think they're thinking that. I think they're just continuity. I mean, not continuity time wise. They said, mm-hmm. uh, but we we actually uh, meet the the real first death. I guess you can say in modern Friday Thirteenth, which is Annie. Annie is my favorite. Is ne- even next? Oh no, Kevin Bacon is my favorite death, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Annie's got a great death. Yeah, and what I like about it is she is the first time you're watching that um, the film. Um, it, she's sort of set up as she's going to be the leading lady. Uh, they said that. They said it's a rug pull. Yeah, she's a Janet Lee. Yes, and it is a rug pull. Yeah, and I like that a lot. So do I. And uh, they a lot of people make fun of the acting in this film. Uh, don't get me oh, wrong. Come on, long. it's fucking Freddy the Thirteenth. Yeah, exactly. Come You're on, not I mean that's fucking. You know, it's not going to be some sort of Shakespearean sort of performances. Yeah. Well, Crazy Ralph was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but even yeah, he's yeah. a bit shit, you know, with his, ooh, I'm Crazy Ralph, you know what I mean? I, 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 I think it's a bit tiresome. When she, when she gets into the Jeep and there's a big chase scene, and be, let's let's talk about this now, Henry Manfredini's music's really good. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's very Bernard Herman. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, it's very, very much psycho. 
Yeah, inspired. but it's not, it doesn't rip it off, but it, it is inspired, of course. Um, and uh, but the chase sequence, the music sets it up really well um, with the highs and the lows of the chase. But once you get your throat cut, it's a solid little kill. Oh yeah, and this was um, Tom Sweeney's just... second outing because he just did Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. So this is him more smaller production. Yes. More hands on. More you know he's he's creating his own elaborate effects without having a team of hundreds of people making you know zombies and all that kind of stuff. I think what works best for me um, with this death is I mean it's quite violent as well and um, you know and it's very well done special effects wise by Savini. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is a shock, and uh, and obviously Scream is, is inspired a lot by this. You know, it's like killing off the um, apparent leading lady early on. You know, so uh, yeah, it's 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 very it's very effective in in that way. It is, and you know, and this is where pisses me off reviewers in the in the eighties. They piss all over it. Um, but they're because they're so blinded by the gore. They don't realize that it's a little, it's a little more clever than they're giving it credit for. Um, at I, the end of the day, this plays just homage to, especially the Psycho, but it also pl- plays like an Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, who done it? At Ten Little Indians. Yeah, I, it, I, I, I'm gonna. You, you mentioned there about. Sorry, I'm gonna jump in there. You mentioned there about the reviewers at the time. Uh, I used to always like. I mean, um, watching and I would watch them on YouTube and stuff. Siskel and Ebert's reviews, but I just oh, read about morons. this. That morons. Gene, do you know what Gene Siskel did? He gave out, I mean, he totally trounced the film. He was ignorant about the film. He was very prudish about it. But he also um, gave out Betsy Palmer's home address for, and told people to write letters to her in protest. That's bang out of order. And a serious invasion of privacy. Now, it turned out he had got the address wrong, but the intention was there. And that is really fucking bang out of order. Yeah, I, you know. I mean, not liking a film is one thing. That's fair enough. That's an opinion. Even if it is pretty, you know, I'll agree with it. Um, sorry, disagree with it completely. Uh, but to give out somebody's home address like that is, fuck. I mean, that's potentially illegal as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, Friday 13th won. Mm-hmm. I mean, 40 million later. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, Hundreds of sequel, billions in in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason, he probably even over Michael. Yes, is the most beloved villain out there. Uh, so, fuck him. God rest his soul. But I don't. I I never liked the guy. I thought he was just a hypocrite. Well, I, I thought if, if, I thought this kind of anyway. gore and violence was in a fucking uh, Caligula. Yes, or on one of these fucking uh, so called. Uh, Art, you know, masterpiece kind of yeah, films. Yeah. If this kind of stuff was put into that, he'd think it's beautiful. It, it, it's the fact you that he's, that he's taking fiction so serious that pisses me off, and being sort of like super offended over what is make believe. I always preferred Rog, um, Roger Ebert anyway. I thought he was a better reviewer, but yeah, well, uh, I, I did like I did, did used to like the, you know listening. I would watch on YouTube and stuff. The two of them, you know, sort of you know um, going off against each other and stuff. But once I read about this, and um, which was just recently. That um, you know, they put me right off them. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, like I mentioned, it's 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 they're kind of hypocrites. It yeah. depended because this is a bunch of no names. If Spielberg did this, uh, I'm not, I'm talking, you know, obviously, a little out there, but yeah, if Spielberg's name was on this, they'd they'd see a different film. Yeah, 
Uh, but because this is an indie film, and back then you, the indie market wasn't like it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, know, people were, were frowning. Oh, totally. And that's why this movie, that's why I applaud Paramount, and I've always applauded Paramount. Mm-hmm. Paramount backed up this film since day one. Yeah. And they've had this franchise. It got sold for a little bit. Now it's back to Paramount. But at the end of the day, this is a massive studio who said this is a lot better than yeah than people are going to give this credit for. So I applaud them for, you know. Well, obviously, from a business point of view as well, they were sort of jumping on the, the Halloween bandwagon. Yeah, you can to- say that. But this is the first film yeah. to be sponsored or released by a major studio. Mm-hmm. Halloween was not a major studio. Halloween they get taken over by Universal until Halloween two. Yeah. So it was I think Compass International mm-hmm. who actually put out Halloween. Yeah. So it's nice to have that. A lot of you know, reading up on the Friday thirteenth and the documentary on it, you get to learn a lot about it and the appreciation backers had for it. Yes. But but yes, at the end of the day, it's about the dollar. Yeah. Um but uh, you know, I would say as well, you know, that obviously this film um, and the series is not high art. I mean, that goes without saying. But for these people to get so historical over what is basically um, a cheap horror film and make-believe, um, whether it's a good horror film or not is irrelevant. These people were just, like, overly historical and offended by it. It's just absurd. I mean, I mean we had the same in the UK with, you know, the video nasties that I referenced earlier, uh, Mary Whitehouse and, you know, people like that. And it was just, it was absurd looking back, you know, the way these people were getting on. Yeah. Well, let's just jump back into it. Yeah. Now, is Stephen Alice an item? Sorry? Were Steve and Alice an item? They they were. Um, my take on it was that they were, but it sort of split up and he was looking to get back together. Um, okay. So, that's, so that's, this is the thing where that suggests heavily to me that Alice wasn't a virgin, like many final girls well, are supposed to be. Well, oh, my headphones just fell off there. Right. Uh, yeah, well, that that whole scene about uh, wow, you you're a really good drawer. Yeah. Is this what I look like? You did last night. I'm like, oh, <laughs> just bad. <laughs> this is so bad. Yeah. Uh, um, Betsy Palmer when she got hired to play, she was kind of a get. Yeah, supposed to be Estelle Parsons. Um, but you got Betsy Palmer. She wanted a new said, car. Yeah, she goes. I wanted a new car. The script was shit. Uh. But she grew to love it. And she understood. You know what's great about that? Her story. Yes. Is she has the best arc, and yeah. what I mean by that, she go and she went in there hating this. Yes. But she gave it her all. She's a stage actress mainly. Method actress. Um. Well. Yeah. And so her it, it, by the run of it, she came back to two. Yes. She actually went to all all the conventions. I was going to say. Good she's, honor. she's she's enjoyed it, yeah. and because of her, you had um, uh, William Holden did Happy Birthday to Me. Yeah, you had uh, Terra Train. You had the great Ben Johnson. Mm-hmm. You had all these veteran actors coming out to go. Hey, I could do that too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, kudos to Betsy Palmer. You know, uh, I think it's great that yeah. She apparently, whenever she first read the script, she threw it over across the room and said, "This is a piece of shit." Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, it, it's not the greatest script in the world. In fact, you know, there's very, mu- there's very little script there. But you know, she she did it. Um, it became her most iconic role, and she embraced that. And, yeah, and she, she was honest about it. At, so yeah. I take my hat off to Betsy Palmer. Good honor, and she wanted a car. Yeah, fucking yeah, good honor. 
Um, uh, so and she went to the conventions and, and she did the fan service and you know what I mean she embraced it all for play exactly and so during the set you know about the they killed the real snake which you wouldn't get away with now yes that was which, Savini which I, did, which, which I didn't mind because uh, I fucking uh, hate snakes apparently the, um, the owner of the snake didn't know this was going to happen and Savini just went across and, and basically killed it and um, apparently, the owner of the snake was in tears. No, I don't think there's an owner. That's of the what snake. I read. Like, no, it's not. It's not right. No offense to you. I'm sure that's no, no. I mean, probably it's just, yeah, what yeah, happened I mean, was, yeah, they were staying in the cabins. Yes, and one of the one of the actresses saw a snake in their cabin. Yeah, so they found that as a, as a, let's take it, let's do the scene. Right. Okay. So it wasn't. It was improv. Right, okay. I mean, that's just what I read. So, I mean, obviously... So, the snake snuck on the set. The snake snuck on the set. <laughs> can't say I'm and, a fan uh, of snakes either. And, yeah. Not, not that so. I'm advocating animal cruelty or, or you know, we are on I the I was podcast. wondering when I was a kid seeing that because it looked real. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know Cannibal Holocaust has taken a lot of flack for the animals. that are There's like a big turtle and stuff killed in that. And it's taken I don't a lot like of... that. I won't watch that shit. I don't watch that shit. I don't well, watch well see, the thing is about um, Cannibal... Holocaust, it actually is a clever story and script. I'm not uh, watching something where animals getting slaughtered. That's well, well it's, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not heavily done. But here, it's they fucking, do it. Yes, I know. But so they do it in Friday the Thirteenth as well. Oh my God! Hello, it's a snake, devil's creature. <laughs> but it's still, it's still an animal. Yeah, um, fuck that. It's the same um, thing, and I would say it's, it's an more brutal in Friday the Thirteenth than actually in. Well, it's, it's <laughs> at very least the same as Cannibal Holocaust. I doubt that. It's the same thing, yeah. Um, so I like you got Jack and and Darcy's death. Is yes. it Darcy or Marcy? Marcy. I, I think so. I, see, Marcy. to be honest with you, I, I I know Alice and Kevin Bacon. I just refer to as Kevin Bacon in this. Um, the rest of them are just sort of generic, teen, horny teens that are basically cannon fodder for in this film, Mrs. Voorhees. Well, let's talk. Okay, let's get. The rest of the movie is all about the chasing and the deaths. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, it's a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And most slasher films are. Yes, of course. And it's a whodunit. But this one's quite clever at it. It's a little bit of a cheat because you never meet Mrs. Voorhees. Because you, you need to meet everybody yeah. in order for it to be a real whodunit. Apparently, Betsy Palmer um, said to Sean Cunningham at the time that she should be in the start of the film because of what you're saying now, and he rejected that. Yeah, he, she's right. Yeah. Because in order for yeah, you need the audience to choose. Yes, and she um, knew that back then, and she had said to Cunningham, apparently. Well, here's how clever the film is, and this is where I don't think people get. And people, oh, it's a woman. She couldn't have done all this. Well, she could. Because if you look at the paper trail of deaths, she isolates them one by one. I, I can buy that it's a woman because um, Betsy Palmer is certainly no, she's, you know, she has a certain physicality to her. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's, you know, you know, like, you know, she's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, but at the same time, I, I, I can accept it. I, I have no, uh, no real issue accepting it. And to, to um, just echo what you were saying earlier as well. Uh, I think it's the script and this, the film overall. While it's not high art, it's a lot more clever than it gets um, credit for. It's also, um, with the series, uh, it's been accused of being sexist, basically, and misogynist. 
I disagree with that because none of the characters, either male or female, get a good. It's like, well, I'll, let's piggyback on to the on the, to the deaths. Yep. So you have Ned, who was obnoxious. Mm-hmm. He gets, you know, you see somebody kind of course him into the cabin. Yes. He gets killed off screen. Then you've got Jack and Marcy who are making love, that mm-hmm. horrible love scene. <laughs> and Ned's in the top bunker bleeding. Yeah. Um, Did you get death, though? Yeah. Well, then Marcy leaves, go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Then Kevin Bacon gets the famous arrow through the mm-hmm. throat. Which was a mistake, by the way, if anyone knows that. Um, they uh, were supposed to they pull the arrow through, and the guy below him was supposed to blow the blood out of yeah. the tube, and it was supposed to just come out. But it got jammed, so he blew too hard, and all that blood gushing out was an error. It wasn't supposed to be that much, but it ended up looking good anyway. But it works, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then she goes to Marcy, kills her mm-hmm. in the in the uh, cabin in the shower. Mm-hmm. Did you see her? Did you see? Uh, did you see her in the uh, shower? Yeah. No, did you see the killer? Oh, the killer? Um, yeah, well, it's sort of suggested, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, not to see where the killer walks in and you see the boots on. I'm talking when she's looking in the mirror and she's, but you can see the hand. Yes, I caught that, I think, yeah. Behind the shower curtain. Yes, yes, I think I she caught that. kind of moves, the killer moves before she gets the axe in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of neat. It's, a good, it's a good death as good well. Death. Brenda um, is going back to her cabin to read and she... She, and then you hear the voice crying for help, and Brenda goes out to help her. She gets it. Mm-hmm. So she, she knows how to take everyone down one by one. She's obviously couldn't do it if they're in a group setting. It's planned, well planned. It's planned, well thought out, and well executed. And I don't think people catch that. Um, now, you have, is it Bill's death who gets hung up and mm-hmm. arrowed and stuff? <laughs> I don't know how she did that, but still cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the MPAA. It didn't get at this one that hard. Some of the deaths are off camera. And I thought about this. I was okay with that. I, I, I wanted to see the deaths, I have to admit. Um, the ones right, that are done off right. camera. Not because I'm morbid, because it means... That, um, well, I am morbid, you know, I'll admit that. And I want to see cool deaths, you know. But the main reason that I did want to see them, it's just because then you know for certain, yeah, this character's got it, you know. It, it feels like I felt slightly cheated. That you don't actually see the, the deaths of these as a viewer, that you don't actually see the deaths of these characters on screen. Well, I don't know if the, uh, nothing mentioned about editing issues mm-hmm. when it came when it comes to MPAA. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think they filmed them personally, or they didn't come out right. Apparently, yeah, it's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, because they don't have time to do retakes and reshoot. So mm-hmm. if something didn't work, it didn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. I love when uh, Bill and Alice are investigating. Everyone's disappeared. They see the bloody axe in the bedroom. It's like, <laughs> like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. I'd be fucking out of there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's with Steve? Steve makes him do all the work, and he goes, "I'll be back later this afternoon." Yeah. And then it's like midnight when he's still driving. Yeah. <laughs> there is a bit of yeah. There is a bit some character sort of. You know decisions that aren't, um, yeah, that wouldn't really, they don't really stand up. You know, how things would maybe play out in real life, but you know, I, I can accept all of that. You know, because they, ha- they have to move the plot forward, and oh, it I is know. a little I, contrived. I, I, you don't really think about it until you kind of analyze it a bit. Exactly. Um, like, exactly. But uh, it, yeah, I, it doesn't take anything away from. But it But this for isn't me. the sort of film that you overanalyze anyway, really. You know. Um, I I do like. It's pretty much twenty minutes long. Is the la- the, the main chase sequence? 
yeah. between herself, uh, between Alice and Mrs. Voorhees. This is the best part I, of the film. I it is the best part of the film. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it sets it up well. I think it's a fair see, fight. See? I think I like it because Mrs. Voorhees can't take a hit. She gets she gets hit. She fall down. She yes. bleeds. She's human. Yes. Um, and once she's faced with somebody who knows she's there to attack, she she can't defend herself like you would think she could. Yeah. Like I said, she 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 alienated. She 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 put everyone to you know, distance themselves from everybody so she could take them out one by one, not knowing she's going to do it. It's a very or realistic which... fight scene. And yeah, the reason being exactly. is because apparently Betsy Palmer was a method actor, so apparently Sean Cunningham had to like rein her in with the slaps because she wanted to land and she maybe did, she did yeah. real slaps on Alice. Yep. Yeah, she, you know? Alice got hurt. She started crying and she she goes, "What? I actually have great Betsy Palmer. Suck it up." It's 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 very realistically done, you know, especially the whenever it's like a basically a fist fight, you know. Yeah, Sean S. Kenningham tells you that uh, no, we'll we'll put the sounds in later. <laughs> oh, that's not the same. Yeah, uh, and um, you know Betsy Palmer obviously steals the show. She's you know the experienced actress and stuff, you know. And yeah, I mean she makes it for me. The uh, the chase scene. My favorite part was the when she goes into the. Uh, to the hamper, yeah, and uh, well, the closet, the hamper, yeah, the, the shed thing, the shed, the shed where they keep all the food, yeah, and uh, you see the you see the the, the door, t- the knob twisting a bit, yes. you know, so you know, little 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 touches like that, and that there's make also it charming um, Jack Nicholson and the Shining before Jack Nicholson and the Shining, where she comes through the door with the yeah, the knife. so you can say the Shining probably did that scene because of this. Well, they were released around the same time, <laughs> so yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, they were released um, in the same year, so yeah, yeah. See that? Fuck you, Kubrick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Betsy Palmer and Colleen did it first. You know, um, here's and then, Betsy. <laughs> and then she gets her head cut off. Yes, and I remember seeing this on video and watching it over and over again. And that, you know, when you watch these documentaries, mm-hmm. it ruins it somewhat for you. That's why, that's why I, they see just what you're saying there. That's why I very rarely, um, possibly never watch DVD extras because it ruins the magic. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You mean, but like when he cuts her head off, uh, you can see the toothpicks. Yeah, I know, but it's fucking. Yeah, brilliant. I know, I know, I know, I know. You can't, you can't see it now. Yeah. But if you really look, and then the hands aren't hers. Yes. Betsy Palmer's. It's Tom Savini's assistant, so they're all hairy knuckles. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, you know, I, I love it. No, I, I'm for I it. Don't get me wrong. It's just a brilliant death. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, and then off of your head. They deliberately said that uh, we're going to copy Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um. Savini's idea, apparently, with the final score. Yeah, they said they wanted to do something, one one little thing, they had a little extra time, mm-hmm. and they got in the, and they said, "Why don't we do this?" Mm-hmm. And now it's considered one of the best jump scares of all time. Yeah, uh, next to Carrie, of course. I would agree. It makes the film, and it helps set up what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, did you know Jason's name wasn't Jason? Yes, apparently, and it wasn't Voorhees either, was it? Or No, it was Voorhees. It was Josh. Josh, yes, yes. I think I might have read that somewhere. Uh, Jason was a... He got the name... I think Victor Miller said it was some douchebag that he grew up with. <laughs> right. Um, I think that's what he was saying. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there you go. 
to me, this was probably the birth of the slasher. For me, my point of view. Um, this is the first one to start ricking out the sequels. This is why we got Halloween 2. Because Friday 13th was four months later. They're already filming, you know, Friday 13th Part 2. So, uh, it was, it was, uh, I, I, yeah. I I I coined I coined Friday Thirteenth as the first slasher. It film. certainly started that eighties craze of the slasher. I would say, well, you know, obviously you could argue Halloween did, but I think this was the real sort of kick up the arse that it got. Yeah. Then you had Happy De- Happy Birthday to Me. You had My Bloody Valentine, yes. Christmas Evil, New Year's Evil, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. I mean, he, he what was that going. one we reviewed? Um, me you and Nula. You mentioned it earlier on. Oh, it's like it's be sl- um, slaughterhouse slumber party massacre. Slumber, slumber, slumber party massacre. You well, that was shit. And yeah. you guys loved it. Well, well they were you all copy and paste. You guys thought it was a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, if you've never ever seen a film before ever in your life, it's like, no. Then you hate it even more. I'm never watching a film again <laughs> with a load of um, actresses in their fifties playing teenagers. <laughs> uh. So this brings us to four months later, mm-hmm. um, after a box office gold with about forty million mm-hmm. uh, on a five hundred fifty thousand budget, they up it to about a one point two million budget, and they give us Friday Thirteenth Part Two. This time, producer Steve Miner is in the director's chair. Yes, I like Steve Miner. He does some pretty fun stuff. He will take the helmets for the next couple films, and uh, we got a new team. Here's what Friday Thirteenth has done right. Especially, yeah, I think they've done it right, period. What they have done right, at least, they've taken some of the profit from the last film and they amp it in the second. Mm -hmm. They've done that pretty consistently with their films. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this one, there's more gore, more deaths. Um, So they've upped it. They've upped the game. I I read um, an article, an online article, and this guy makes a brilliant point. Um, about the Friday the 13th series, why he thinks it's the best out of all these ones that were out at the time. He said um, with Halloween, with A Nightmare on Elm Street um, and other ones, you know, arguably, you know, Hellraiser as well, they all hit the ground running and the first film in the series could never be bettered. But he argues that Friday the 13th actually started off sort of average and got better as it went along. You know, it became, it sort of grew as it went along, whereas the likes of the original Halloween and the original Nightmare on Elm Street couldn't be bettered, and, um, uh, and they weren't bettered. So this guy, argued, I would, I would agree with that almost. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned, they, I agree they, with it. They they take their money and they don't splurge in other films. Mm-hmm. They they put some of that extra money into invest in the next one. Yes, I would say that up to a point in the franchise we're talking about. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, um, we, once you get to the later sequels where Jason goes to space and New York and stuff, I mean, it, it's, it's horse shit. Well, but, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to those. <laughs> we'll certainly will, unfortunately. But those earlier sequels, it definitely grows and the story develops. Yeah, well, this Overall is where story. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the story here. So we got, uh, this one we got Ginny, Paul, Terry. I love Terry. Gorgeous, gorgeous Terry. Uh-huh. Oh my God! It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ted, Scott, Vicky, Jeff, Mark, Sandra, and this time Tom Savini went went off to do a Friday Thirteenth ripoff called The Burning. Mm-hmm. The Burning, which I think it's quite good. Yeah, The Burning's pretty good. Which is funny because The Burning is violent and gratuitous as hell. It was a it was a video. And nasty. they and it was bombed but, in the UK. 
but they did think... not get MPAA'd in the U.S. But guess what film did? Yeah, Freddy the this one. Who? Yeah, but no, for, I I will go over them. But it pisses me off. There's a cut out here of this film that for some reason we're not getting yet, and I don't get it because it's not lost in the archives. And I want to see the cut. I want to see the bedroom scene. Yeah, I want to see it all. Yeah, I sound like a sicko. No, but but you know I know there's a there's a because there's there's cuts in this film that just get cut right away. Like what what? Yes, I know. And it pisses me off. It happened in Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if they had cut fucking um, the entirety of Cobra, it would have been a fucking favor to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl Ferlton is taking over for this one, and um, I love the gore in this one. What we get of it, and, and I like the deaths. Now, here's let's talk about the beginning. Now, they brought Adrian King back. Yes. You know, at the time, Adrian King was actually dealing with. At the time, you didn't really know of it about a stalker. Yes. And to the point where her stalker befriended her mm-hmm. to where she didn't know that he was a stalker. Yeah. And it ended up her being at gunpoint. Really? At gunpoint? I didn't yep. know that. And she um, had to talk. I knew she had a stalker. She, yeah. So she had to talk him down. Yeah. So she was weary of coming back to the franchise. Mm-hmm. So now Friday 13th crew is saying her agent wanted too much money. So they brought, they brought her on board for the beginning as we get. And she didn't realize she would, she was going to be killed off. She was going to be killed. Everything was imp- They told her just to improv the whole scene. Yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously, that's how the she... opening to Scream is hugely um, influenced by this. The opening of Freddy the 13th Part 2. Yeah, of course. Yeah, kill off the main. Yeah. Or who thinks the main? Well, well it, this would be more Scream 3. Well, I would say sh- Scream. Because, like, she's cooking food. She's preparing a bit of food and stuff. She's in the kitchen. Like, Drew Barnymore is, you know, preparing the popcorn and stuff. Yeah, but that would be kind of like more of... The, uh, uh, what's her name? The the hitchhiker and the I can't uh, Annie. Yes, that'd be more like Annie though, because mm-hmm. she's set up as the lead. She gets off. She gets killed right away. She's the general. Oh, you mean character. Annie in the original? Yeah. Yes. So she's more set up like because she was in one of them. She was in one. Mm-hmm. She's more like the um, uh, the killing of. Oh my God! I can't remember. What's his name? Lee Schreiber in uh, Scream 3. Yes. When he gets it. Mm-hmm. I can't Cotton I Weary. Cotton Weary, that's yeah. it. can't believe we had a 20-minute conversation on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me get this straight. This is two months later. Yeah. Two months later, a little boy jumps out and grabs her. Two months later, he's a six-foot giant. Ah, but in the original, that's a dream. It makes sense. No. no, 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 no. I mean, I'm like this makes sense in my head because in the original, the final jump scare when Jason jumps out of the water is a dream. It's a dream sequence. Um, uh, but and then don't forget, Jason was like a kid in the 1950s, so it makes complete sense. That Jason is now a fully grown man, and he would be in his I don't know, um, I suppose 20, um, late 20s, 30s, or whatever. That, that makes total sense to me. I'm going, I don't like the dream thing. It is a dream book. Out. Wait, but, uh, um, no. Even the producers can't explain it. It's funny. You should watch this documentary. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. But 
Uh, in my head, and I haven't seen the documentary, I was just accepting that Jason is now a fully grown man, and at the the jump scare at the end of the, the first film is a dream sequence, which is pretty much confirmed in it. So No, it's not. It's not. Tom Sabini says they set that up for us. For, for you sequel? can either think it's a dream sequence or a sequel. Now, yeah, I guess you could say it's a dream, but the boy's face looks just like Jason in this one. Yeah. And... I don't. Okay, well, let's go with that. Again, we're. I think it's Friday thirteenth. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> in um, my head, that's the way it is. So I, all right, that's fine. Know. We'll go with it. So now we're five years later after Annie gets that. After it, is it Annie? Yeah, Alice. Alice gets it. Damn, yeah. these eight. Don't, don't worry. There's so many of these things that I lose track of their names as well. You know don't, what I mean? Well, that, and, you know, and to be honest, you know I don't give a fuck what their names are. You know what I mean? You know what? And that, and, and this is so, this is so innocent and sweet. Friday Thirteen. I know you can say that innocent <laughs> and sweet, but they are. The movies are an hour and twenty five minutes, yes. twenty nine minutes, whatever. Right? Yeah. They give you like a ten minute expose of the last one. Yeah, I know. And it's like, oh, thank God, we got to get cut up because the plot was so fucking yeah. intense. <laughs> last time on Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so see to be honest see, see that um, catch up uh, I thought that was just to extend the runtime a bit you know yeah, or, or else it would have been just do. like an hour and 15 minutes and you know what I'm okay with it I mean I'm it's not, Friday the you 13th know. you know it's what I mean it's Friday 13th you know what I mean um, I do like the campfire scene mm-hmm. where Paul is telling them the story of Jason and then the sort of um, comic relief guy jumps out with the mask on yeah I but, that was kind of fun by the way he's a shit comic relief um, so he is, and he was just. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll get to it, but later on. Well, the annoying guy doesn't get killed, which is which shocks yes, me. Yes, and I and see, yeah, um, and he's obviously, you know, he's like a, he's like a sort of early nineteen eighties Randy from Scream. Um, yeah, he's but nowhere near he's, as good. He, he's Ted. Yes, he's replacing Ned. Yes, from Friday. They've got the same sound and name, you know. Yeah. Um, it's basically copy and paste. But yes, he gets away by simply going drinking. Lucky bastard. <laughs> There's no, like, chase scene or anything. He just, um, yeah, he goes drinking, and <laughs> that's how he survives. Uh, but like I mentioned in the beginning of this one, they, they spent more money on it, so the gore is up, bet, uh, slightly better acting's tweaked, and the lighting is a lot nicer. Um, so, There's like some I really said, good stuff on it. Yeah, so they've done some nice work. And I like, like, I... I the campfire setup we just talked about. Yes. Um, it's a nice little setup mm-hmm. because we already had the Betsy Palmer setup about, you know, the mother. and But, but we got that from, well, the whole town folk, the trucker and Crazy Ralph and all these guys. Crazy Ralph comes uh, back. Yeah, Crazy Ralph gets it in this one, thank God. Yes. You're doomed. One more last time. Crazy Ralph, you know. Can't <laughs> blood. <laughs> you got a dead curse. You're doomed. <laughs> Um, yeah but, but I have to admit that um, the, the oh, fuck it is Friday the 13th the it's basically gener- generic stock horny teenagers um, you know as a cast who get bumped off one by one but what do you expect <laughs> my favorite death on Friday the 13th of all time is in this film right um, like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast the films seem to get a little bit better as they went on well until a certain point yes um, Friday the Thirteenth will always be close, near and dear because it's the you know it's the mother of the group. Mm-hmm. But what this one has is is uh, the greatest death, and that's Marks. Is this the guy that gets hung upside down? No, this is the wheelchair. Oh yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what a scene. The guy is, it, it's so well done. It's the best death in the fight. He gets the machete in the face, the mm-hmm. poor bastard. He can't go anywhere. <laughs> He's still alive, and the wheelchair rolls back from the power of the machete going into his face, yeah. and he goes down the stairs. And they have a tendency, both fight 13s do this. It's nice. They do this pause mm-hmm. when someone's about to be killed or finalizing of the death, mm-hmm. and then the screeching music comes, and it turns into a black and white, fade out yeah. fade in kind of thing yeah. a bright fade in I guess yeah, you could say like an, like an old school sort of effect type thing yeah it's really neat they do that a couple of times mm-hmm. A probably for MPAA reasons mm-hmm. but it works mm-hmm. yeah um, I like the guy getting hung upside down I thought that was quite a good death yeah when Scott because he was it. really fucking annoying and to be honest with the with these films a lot of the time in fact I would say most of the time I'm fucking rooting for the killer because these characters um, are so annoying you know yeah. you know uh, <laughs> so yeah I'm on Jason's side so am I but yeah when Scott when he's when he when the girl is skinny dipping yes ah oh, beautiful beautiful scene yeah that guy's perving on her yeah yeah so Scott gets hung up in the little trap mm-hmm but he was creepy as he was a creepy bastard, like right through it at the her. You know what Here, I mean? Here's a perfect scene where though the MPAA raped it. When he cuts his throat, mm-hmm. the blood's about to it's about to pour out. It's a gorgeous shot. Yeah. And then it cuts away right yes, away. Yes. So there was a lot of blood. He said there was a mm-hmm. lot more blood in that scene. But did you see the error in that scene? I'm not too sure. It's uh, I hate telling you this, should I tell you? Go ahead, yeah. No, please do. Okay. Yeah. So when the machete comes down to cut him. Yes. The machete's on the wrong side. Right. It's on the dull side. Right. I did miss that. I must admit. They cut him on the wrong side of the blade. Right. <laughs> and it's clearly his day. I noticed. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but it's still a great kill. Oh, yeah. Um, the bedroom scene we are talking about when the spear goes through both parties as they're making out, making love. Yeah. That whole scene was cut. Right. All you see now, all you see now is the spear. Going through the two of them. Going through to the bottom of the bed. You don't see, you see the aftermath. Mm-hmm. I was glad in to the see original them cut, off as well. You, they were fucking annoying. Yeah, they get they get gutted, and you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it that scene is still available, but they they won't they haven't released it yet. Don't know why. Yeah, it's part of the cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. I must admit, I love it. Goes proper horror. Um, whenever we get to the um cabin, where basically we have you know um, Mrs. Voorhees' head, you know preserved. Um, that goes, oh yes, at Jason's place. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, I mean, that that's and then obviously we get Betsy Palmer returning and stuff, which is very good. Bit bit cheesy and bit corny, you know the way it's done, but it, but it still totally works for me. When Paul and Jeannie come back from the party, yes, and everyone's disappeared and yada yada yada. Yes. You know how um, I made fun of the axe on the on the bed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's peculiar from the first one. <laughs> this one they see it and they go, "Okay, this is not a joke. They wouldn't do they wouldn't go this far." They've learned yeah, they 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 knew right away mm-hmm. that this is not right. Something's and up. There's, there's a creepy little scene in it mm-hmm. where and I didn't catch it the first time, well, the first 100 times I've seen it to where they're in the cabin and it's, it it goes dark. Mm-hmm. And the camera keeps panning around, panning around the different layer areas. You can see them rustling around trying to figure out where to go. And then she stops and Jeannie says, there's somebody else in this room. Yeah. And then you can see in the corner, the, the you know, the mask, which by the way, ba- uh, Baghead, Jason, 300 times more scarier than a hockey yes, mask. The burlap um, sack. Yeah. Yes. That was, that is that probably my favorite shot mm-hmm. of the film. Mm-hmm. 
No, I mean, Tyson is very effective here as as a you know a creepy, not the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life, but you know on film. But yeah, it works, and and I agree with you. It works much better than the hockey mask, the burlap sack. There's a slasher film that came out. I say slasher, but it wouldn't be a slasher because it wasn't before Halloween. It's for Halloween, but it's called um, the the town that dreaded sundown. Yes, and it's based on a true story mm-hmm. in Texas. But he wore uh, sack. a pillowcase or a sack over his mask, yeah. and that's where they got this idea from. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and it works. Fucking creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm much more believable my, <laughs> than a fucking um, hockey mask. Yes, yeah, and it also big... ties in with the fact that um, Jason's deformed, you know. Um, so he's obviously it sort of suggests that he's conscious about his appearance, you know, and his deformed face, especially with all these beautiful teens and stuff knocking yeah. around and having sex. So it, it sort of ties in knocking with that. around having love, love time. Yeah, well, and then getting you know stab, stab time. <laughs> you know, oh, you know what seems so bad mm-hmm. when Ginny mm-hmm. and Paul get separated. Yes, and they're running. Yeah. She's running and she goes underneath the bed and she sees a rat. Yes. And she pees, but it looks like someone's oh, taking the a urine. Yes. Oh, that's. And yeah, that was. Uh, that would never happen. It didn't have to it, fucking have that. I don't want to. <laughs> no, no. I mean. Yeah. That wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It would all absorb into the genes. Yeah. You wouldn't have a fucking. I know. But even at lake, that, I, I mean. Lake Superior coming out of your pants. I, I, I get that they were doing it to sort of heighten the sort of the fear tension. that she was going through and stuff like that there. But um, yeah, it was just a bit random or something. You know? <laughs> I do think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Everything she's going through. Mm-hmm. There's a crazy fucker <laughs> with, a, with a knapsack on his head coming at you with a pickaxe and you're going to wet your pants because you see a, a rat. And that, and also, let's let's not sort of, you know, focus on, you know, the deranged killer coming after or whatever. Let's uh, focus on this rat and her pissing herself. You know, it's just like, you know, yeah. It would have, yeah, it didn't really work. <laughs> so we got the big climax mm-hmm. where she pretends to be his mom. I kind of like that scene. Yeah. It, because it, it, it kind of makes, and I know this guy kind of sounds creepy. Uh-huh. But he kind of feels sorry for Jason when you see this scene. No, no, Jason is a a, a tragic. He's a victim. Yeah, tra- he's a, he's a tragic sort of. He has a tragic backstory, so that's another reason why I root for him. I do feel sorry for him. He's had it rough, and then these these fucking dickheads are coming to his <laughs> camp <laughs> and shaking things up, and you know what I mean, and having sex and smoking pot and drinking and doing all the rest. <laughs> yeah. Fucking right. I'm 100% on, on the side of Jason <laughs> after everything he's went through. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he she, he gets his comeuppance, supposedly. Yes. And then he got the nice jump scare through the window. I, get to, I think it's... Um, they were never going to sort of top the one from the first one, but they did the next best thing. I think it's really Yeah, it really did well. a pretty nice job. Usually when the window is in clear view and yes. they're on the right side, you know something's coming through the window. Yeah. You just don't know when. Well, I think it was good the way the uh, there, there's like a, a sort of a bit of a rug pulled where it's at first it's the dog, you know, this fucking chihuahua or whatever Ma- it is. And Muffy. It, yeah, it's like the the fake sort of jump scare. And then uh, just as you relax, next thing, adult Jason jumps through the window. So even the actors can't answer this question. Mm-hmm. Even the producers can't answer this question. What happened to Paul? It's. I assumed that he was killed off screen. Because he was in the room. 
mm-hmm. with her mm-hmm. when Jason comes through the window and he's got the producer said that you don't have an answer. Yeah. I, they were like, oh, I think we forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It, it, it's, it's jarring. It's quite jarring because instead of sort of focusing on the very end of the film and stuff, you're saying, wait, where the fuck did Paul go? Where's Paul? What happened? Um, they should have brought him back for three yeah. to give us some kind of exp- – something need to be explained because it, it does kind of uh, – this is, he's too much of a main character to be – oh, I don't know. It's, yeah, uh, it's never it's never followed up. Um, I um, – in my head – He's killed by Jason or off screen, but you don't see it, so who knows? <laughs> well, they could have easily have had a bloody sheet, yeah, coming out of the cabin, and then uh, mm-hmm. where's Paul? Yeah. We're sorry, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, that's all you have. To, that's all you have to say. Yeah, there's no money in that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, but it's but something went wrong there, or something. Yeah, something went wrong. That's a big. That's a big faux pas. Yeah. Uh, but so far, so far, they're both tied. I'm still fond of the first one. I think the first one's got some. It's, I like the clever whodunit mystery, yeah. as silly as it is. Um, I had some nice shots. So so far, I'm on team one. They're both good. Both good. One's I, a murder mystery. One's a slasher. I mean, that's why I look. I at mean, it. this with the second one, it's. I mean, there's zero story really here. Uh, very little story. Very little sort of character development. Uh, but. It's a Friday the Thirteenth film. It's a Friday the Thirteenth sequel. Even it, you know, again, this ain't Shakespeare. This ain't Schindler's List. But it's not meant to be. It does exactly what it says in the tin. If you go into it um, with that mindset, um, as I did, I enjoyed both of them. And I yeah, think they exactly. Well together. You, you said in the beginning that they kind of pick uh, the reviewer picks. They pick up a game a bit with these with mm-hmm. these films. Yes, and they do. Most horror slashers suck. Sequels suck. Absolutely. This one doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the fact, I think this got better reviews. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Um, I like them I like them both as a package. Like so one, one long film. Yeah. So do I. So, I, I'm, I'm going to go that route. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all right, guys. Thanks for listening to our part one. Uh, yes, we got three and four coming up next. Mm-hmm. And that should be a fun revisit. Uh, Downloads this week has been quite well. Thank you for that. Stop with my mama shoot. Surprisingly, he's done well. (laughs) All it is is two men yelling at each other. So I'm glad you enjoyed that. I I, I reckon people have enjoyed our podcast better than the film itself. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, But yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You can follow us on Citizen Frame underscore podcast on Instagram or, of course, Facebook. And uh, that's a wrap. We're going to end this one now. Yeah. Or will we be coming back for a sequel? <laughs> uh-huh. Like that? I'll wear my hockey mask for this for our sequel. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Have a good one. And we'll talk soon.